When we began this class a few uh, weeks ago, I noted that there are several different ways I could have approached this study. We could have approached it from a historical standpoint. We could look at it from uh, Hebrew poetry. We could look at many ways, David and uh, the rule, the people. But I chose uh, to look at it in a way to bring us all closer to God in our prayer, in our meditation, in our remembrance of who we are. And as we began, I mentioned that Paul said in the book of Galatians that we have this great, wonderful, misunderstood gift of being able to call God Abba. And we discuss what Abba means. It's a relationship between a father and a son. It's the same relationship, and I used uh, the term uh, daddy and, and pop or whatever we call our earthly father. But in doing so, it was not to prevent us from honoring God as he should be honored. Not speaking to a holy God, but having this intimacy that we can talk to God like we talk to our fathers. And we're going to discuss that a little bit towards the end as to whether Christians... Uh, should use laments in our prayer. We're going to see that, that laments, uh, Merriam-Webster and Oxford uh, both define it as a deep sorrow or grief, an intense pain that is often spoken or emulated or uh, rather uh, spoken or written uh, demonstratively and Leland got on to me for my use of big words, so I'll just say that we can go to the Father boldly. Just as we went to our earthly fathers. Did you ever think your father didn't love you? I mean, seriously. Were there times when you thought your dad, your dad just doesn't understand me? My dad just doesn't care. That may have been or it may not. But we talked intimately with our fathers, didn't we? When something was bothering us, when there were, there were burdens on our shoulders, we were hopefully not afraid to go to our fathers or our mothers and lay it on the line. And I think all too often in our prayer life, we don't really understand this wonderful gift that we have. Yes, God knows our hearts. He does. But didn't your fathers and mothers want to have a conversation with you? And you who are parents, you who are grandparents, when you see your children not as they normally are, isn't there a desire to go and have a conversation privately and openly and lay it on the line to help that child, such as our Creator. In that passage that Paul spoke to the Galatians about, he, in, in the next phrase, says, 
We have that because we're no longer slaves, but we are what? Sons. Does a master really care about his slave and how his day is going? Not necessarily. Does he worry about his slave not, feel, not having a good day today or, or this or that? But our Father, our Creator, the one who made us, the one who knows us in and out, he sees us when we're having difficulties as we're going to read tonight in in these laments, some of them blame God for what's going on in their lives. Some of them are intense. We we read Psalm uh, 51 when I was last with you, and, and David's repetition here of the scene with Nathan, how this sin had separated him from God and how he was tormented But in the end, he prays God, and he says, if you will help me, I will do all I can to teach and tell of your goodness. And so with that in our minds, we're going to discuss that a little bit later as to whether Christians should lament or not. Let's let's go ahead and begin uh, looking at this. And I'm going to leave this slide up for just a a little while because some of you like to take notes, and it's a little uh, lengthy. But there are two types of laments, and a lament, as we said, is rooted in someone or a nation's deep distress. Did God's children, can you think of some times when God's children as a nation were in great, deep distress that brought them to God? either to complain. I always go to Malachi. You remember the way that Malachi is guided by the Holy Spirit to write that. God says, you know, you profane the altars. And then the people respond, well, how do we do that? You've done this? Well, you've robbed from me. What? How did we do that? But have you also seen personal distress in our studies so far? We've seen much, haven't we? Where people go and they lay their hearts out to God in deep lament. And so uh, it can be either individual or national as we have up here on the slide. And it's usually uh, followed by a an intense desire for God to relieve them of this this stress. If we look at number-wise, laments take up a third of the psalm. And you can look up those chapters uh, a little later. Uh, You can use them for your reference. Uh, But they're, they're about a third of the psalms. And even the psalms that are not classified as uh, laments often contain within them laments. And those elements may be present either for a short bit or a while. And so these laments are focused on someone's experience and crisis rather than the larger community. Individuals, us, we have times that we may lament. 
And sometimes, because of our love of God and our fear of God, we think God doesn't want to hear that. But there are 17 laments that speak on behalf of the community, and the rest of them speak on the, the personal. So it is important, I think, here to understand that God wants us to turn to Him with open hearts, like that son or daughter who goes to their parent and says, this is bothering me, and I don't think you dealt with this rightly. Did you ever do that? You who have brothers and sisters? Did you ever tell your brother, mom loves you best? See, we're afraid to do that, but God already knows your heart. God already knows that. And we look at Psalms 102, uh, we can't always tell about uh, what is a lament as a psalm or whether it's a portion of that. But in Psalm 102, uh, superscriptions help. And those of you who look at uh, the superscription under Psalm 102 says it's a prayer of the afflicted when he's overwhelmed and pours out his complaint to God. How many of you have been overwhelmed? I mean this life. How many of you have been overwhelmed? It's just too much. I need a vacation. I need a rest. I need to be on that spaceship that's going to the moon. You just drop me off at the nearest crater. We get overwhelmed. But what happens? A prayer of the afflicted when he's overwhelmed and he does what? Pours out his soul. Have you ever wept during a prayer? Have you ever been touched by the words that come out of your mouth because you're overwhelmed and the only place you can find relief is in the Father, the Creator, Almighty God? And so these crises that we've looked at can be varied. They can be due to sin. They can be, uh, we look at David going back uh, to some of the psalms we looked at earlier of him being chased by Saul. He's innocent, yet he's being afflicted. Uh, but at other times, material, physical, mental, or a combination of things. I look at poor old Elijah. Was Elijah overwhelmed? He was, wasn't he? He said, Lord, I'm... God says, what are you doing in that cave, Elijah? Well, I'm here because I'm the only one left. Nobody else is doing what I'm doing. They want to kill me. Just go ahead and take me now. We need to understand lamenting is not a violation of God's will. And other times there are specific references like in Psalms 137 where Judah is about to be defeated 
uh, at the hands of Babylon. What does the psalmist cry for? He cries for vindication. He talks about destroying the crops. He talks about social corruption. He talks about just totally annihilating the enemies of God because they've tormented His people so much. Well, let's look at the typical uh, structure uh, of a lament psalm. They have a fairly standard structure, and there are four elements. Uh, We're going to look at an example in Psalm 13 of these four things. It's rare that you find all four in such a short uh, passage, but if you'll turn to Psalm uh, 13... Let's read that. How long will you forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God, and lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I've trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he hath dealt, how? Bountifully. I'm in need. I'm in desperate need. I don't know where you are. But my faith and my experience tells me that you will deal but you'll deal with it bountifully. And so we look at the first uh, one. is an invocation. The invocation here being the first verse. How long will you forget me, O Lord? Have there been times in your life, whether it's been due to sickness or familial problems or other things that maybe just for a moment you thought God's forgotten all about me. I sit here day to day after day after day. It's all the same. But there's this invocation, this appeal to God. Secondly, there's the complaint or the lament. And he says, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? We watch the news. How long is the Ukrainian crisis going to go on? How long are these mass shootings going to go on? How long is the government going to ignore things that don't need to be ignored. How long, how long, how long? But our eyes need to be lifted up to God. But our complaint can be that. Our complaint can be sickness. I know no one in here has, but don't, don't ever fall. It smarts. Uh, we have things that oppress us. And we have fears of getting sick. And we have fears of people not liking us or being isolated. 
How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? The third thing is the petition to God or the supplication. What is a supplication? What do we mean? Prayers and supplication. What's a supplication? I'm sorry, I didn't. Supply our needs. Apply, supply our needs, that's right. We ask God to supply our needs, not necessarily our wants, but our needs. What we need in this situation. He said, consider and hear me, God, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, lest those who trouble me rejoice. When I move, what's he? What's he praying for? What? What's his need? Well, his complaint is he he has sorrow in his heart daily. His enemy is exalting over him. What is the need? Deliverance. Deliverance. Freedom from this. To remain steadfast. And then finally, uh, it, there's the conclusion involving motivation or a vow, usually positive, expressing confidence in God. And so he said, I have trusted in whose mercy? My heart shall rejoice in whose salvation? I will sing unto the Lord, because who has dealt bountifully with me? It seems that we might think that's a little odd that maybe perhaps this person is angry or this person is just not necessarily angry but he's discouraged because of what's going on around him. The enemy is chasing him. The enemy is pursuing him and it may overtake him. And his need is that that not happen. And the only one who can supply that need is God, my Lord. Because He deals bountifully with you. I could spend the next month telling you how God has dealt bountifully with Young and I in just these few weeks because of you. You see, God didn't send one. He sent all of you. I just needed one. I don't think I can take all of you. But you see, that's our God. Our God doesn't let those things happen to His children. That's the intimacy of Abba and Son. Abba, Son. And we need to embrace that. We need to draw closer to that in our prayers. We need to understand that in our daily walks of life and especially in times of trial. We'll stop now. I've talked quite a bit. What questions or what comments do you have? Now see, when Leland's up here, y'all just jabber away. Must be my charming personality. I hope you notice the change in mood, as I, as I mentioned here near the conclusion, 
uh, where this, uh, these sorrowful laments, pleadings, statements are followed by confident assurance in God. That's what our prayers need to be. And I'm afraid sometimes we don't achieve that in our prayer. We pray a prayer and because we're not intimate with God and we often repeat the same requests that we have day after day and we often repeat phrases and we often uh, don't really think about what we're going to say when we go before the Creator, that in saying those things it becomes... hmm, matter of fact. Well, if he does, he does. And if he doesn't, you know, he's gone. He can do it. What does Paul say? We need to pray believing. What did you say, David? I said fervently. Fervently. Now, we don't fully understand, I think, at all times what a fervent prayer is. What does it mean to be fervent? It avails a lot of things if you're fervent. Who who prays a fervent prayer that can describe that prayer to us? Nobody? Nobody prays a fervent prayer? Well, I'm shocked. (laughs) Fervent is going back to what we said at the beginning. We go to our Father, our God, our Creator who loves us who wants us to succeed, who wants the very best for us to come to Him and not a scripted prayer, not something that we heard that sounds good, but He wants to hear this. He wants to hear, God, I'm hurting. He wants to hear, God, my faith is weakening. He wants to hear, God, my life is not like it should be, and I know it could be better. He wants you to confess your needs. He knows what you need. Your parents know what you knew what you needed growing up. But they like to hear those things. Dad, can I get a new pair of Wrangler uh, blue jeans with the rodeo cowboy book attached to it there for school? He wants you to hear the things that make you who you are to get into that relationship. And if it means lamenting, if it means saying, uh, Father, help my unbelief, do it. If it means, Lord, sometimes I think you don't hear my prayer. That's not being disrespectful. That's telling God exactly how you feel and what you need. And ask for what you need. Tolly, you had your hand up. I was going to say, being transparent with God. Yeah. It says to just be transparent. Yeah. We hear that's a, that's a millennial word, Transparent. That's a good word. We need God already knows what we need. But He wants that relationship, that dependency on God, that intimacy of dependence that He's my Abba. 
Yes, he's my master, but not in a slave-master relationship, in a son and father relationship. And he wants us to talk just like your parents want you to talk, and just like your parents want your children to talk. All right. In comments? Yes, sir. try to desperately hold on to the idea that God doesn't make mistakes. And so if adversity is in my life, I, 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 I will deal with that. Help me to deal with it. That's what I pray for. Yeah. <laughs> and, and trust him. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what the man is. The man is, I've got a problem, but I know you're the only one that can help me. And I know not only will you help me, but you'll do it bountifully. Yeah, good point. Anything else? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, I always go back to Jesus in the garden. How did Jesus address the Father in His prayer alone in Gethsemane? What was His appeal to His Father? What did He call Him? Abba. Abba, Father. That relationship what was Jesus' complaint? He was hurting. He was hurting badly. He knew what was about to happen. And he was praying for the strength to go through it. And he even asked God, if there is another way, Abba, if there's another way, can it be? But if not, what did he say? Your will be done. Your will be done. God answers prayer sometimes in not the way that we expect Him to. Sometimes we want to control God and we say, God, here's my problem. Here's what I need. So if you can just do this, or if you can just, you know, in the next few weeks, if you get time, just, just do this. Well, God may surprise you with how He answers your prayer. And so we need to understand that we need to develop this attitude, this intimacy with God. And when we look at the nature of complaints, we look at complaints against God. That He doesn't hear, that He's mistaken, that He's left and He doesn't care anymore. And they perceive God to be the problem. There are complaints against an enemy as we just read so there are people who have external problems, things going on around them that threaten maybe their very life. And then thirdly, complaints against the psalmist himself, such as David. And then we have internal problems. It's not often that all three of these complaints are found in a psalm. But if you turn your Bibles to Psalm 22, uh, we have this. In Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2, the complaint against God is this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you don't hear. And in the night season, and, and am not silent. What's this complaint against God? 
What's the complaint? You have forsaken me. You've turned away from me. You know, those who experience death or near-death experiences may sometimes say that. Even we might be tempted to say that. Lord, why are you making me go through this? Why are you putting such a burden on me? But here, the complaint is you don't even hear the words of my groaning. Well, secondly, we have a complaint against his enemies in, in verses 7 through 8. All they, all, excuse me, all they that see me laugh, to scorn, uh, laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake their head saying, He trusted in the Lord that He would deliver him. Let Him deliver him, seeing He delighted in him. But Thou art He that took me out of the womb and did make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. Internally, or rather externally, against his enemies. They are surrounding him. They're laughing at him. They're mocking him. They're shooting out that lip, that arrogant pride that he's nothing. He said in verse 6, I'm just a worm. You ever feel like a worm in this world? People can make us feel like worms. What was his complaint? It was against those not only that surround him but also himself in verse 6. I'm a worm and not a man. A reproach of men and despised by people. We see a lot of people who are despised these days. And it makes you feel bad. And some of these laments made the writer feel like he was uh, in shoal. Some things are so great he felt like he was in this uh, prison-like at- atmosphere. You know, shoal before the New Testament taught us about hell uh, and the waiting place Show was the grave. It's a place uh, that was the underworld, the realm of death. And it's sometimes called the shades. Anybody ever heard that? The shades, darkness. Or the pit. I've gone down into the pit. There was no hope of escape. I mean, even when we read of hell, you're in show, you can't come back from the grave. There are a lot of people who take your money and try to tell you that's not so, but that's not so. Have you ever had a situation in your life that was so grim and so uh, desperate that you just felt there's no way out of this? There's no way out of this. Grief, whether it be the loss of a loved one, whether it be... uh, coming to grips with disease, coming to grips with something financially or horribly? Do you ever feel that impending doom that there is no help? 
And we see that here in different ones. But the psalmist is not actually claiming to be dead, just as we read here a bit ago. Uh, he doesn't want his enemies to rejoice over him having the sleep of sleep. Uh, but in Psalms 88, this is a good uh, example. Some of the language will remind readers. We're not going to read that tonight. I don't have enough time. But on your own, see if this doesn't sound to you like Job. What Job talked about his torment. And Jonah, when he was in the belly of the whale, the things that he mentioned about his captivity there. And as you can see, there are other categories of laments. There are prayers of sick persons in Psalm 38 and 41. Uh, there are an intertwining of physical illnesses and spiritual anguish. Why am I suffering these things? Why is it so difficult? Uh, and we've often talked about people going to the conclusion that it must be something that I've done that I'm suffering. But I'll tell you, every time I have suffered in my life, I've come out with lesson after lesson after lesson after lesson from the Holy Father about many things, about patience, about love, about endurance, about being righteous and faithful until the end. And so when we look at these things, psychiatrists are even looking at some of these passages to try to understand uh, the mental and the physical uh, feelings. Secondly, there are petitions by those that are falsely accused. We read about David, who was falsely accused by whom? Huh? Children? Who else? Saul. It's terrible things. And in uh, Psalm 7, turn your Bibles to Psalm 7, verses 3 through 5. Psalm 7, verses 3 through 5. O oh Lord my God, if I have done this, if there's iniquity in my hands, if I have repaid evil to him who is at peace with me or have plundered my enemy without cause, comma, let the enemy pursue me and overtake me. Yes, let him trample my life to the earth and lay my honor in the dust. There's a lament. I didn't do anything wrong. But if I did, then let thy righteousness prevail. Let me be trampled. And let me be gone. There are pleas for asylum in God's temple as a sanctuary. Psalm 61, verses 2 through 4. Psalm 61, verses 2 through 4. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I always want to sing that. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy, and I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Listen to that. When my heart is overwhelmed, what? When my heart is overwhelmed, this is an open book test. Huh? Lead me to the rock. Lead me to the rock. 
when my heart gets so much that I begin to doubt that my knees begin to buckle and my back bows, I'm going to the rock where there's strength, where there is help, where there is abundant blessings. Fourthly, prayers of the oppressed or persecuted. Uh, there's many more, Psalm 3, 4, 5, and 7. And then general laments like Psalm 22, uh, which either seem very general or inclusive of several different kinds. Now, in the last few moments we have, I hope we're going to get through this. Laments to help us see the part of the purpose of prayer. And this is our sole desire during this quarter is to improve our prayer life, improve our song life, improve our intimacy with God. Sometimes, as we said, prayer can be a perplexing concept. We learn to pray as children. And there may be times uh, your parents teach you to pray. And as you get older, men teach you to pray. As was in my case, we used to have little sessions, the elders and the older men with younger men. They would teach us how to pray. They would teach us different kinds of prayer. And we would exercise them diligently. But I'm afraid we don't do as much as, as that as we should. All too many times when we go to prayer, we want to instruct God. We want to quote what God has written. Sometimes we want to teach a sermon to someone in a prayer that they'll quit doing what they're doing or they'll quit saying what they're saying. Sometimes we misuse prayer for our own devices rather than for God's glory. And so when we pray, we need to understand that prayer has a purpose and a value. And the prayer psalms help us to see that this purpose is to convince God to act on our behalf. Why? We need Him course, number one, but what's the second reason? We know that He is willing and He is able. And so these expressions of pain, the protests that justice demands action, and the implication that our enemies and the unrighteous are about to get the upper hand, those of you who Confine your vision to the earth and the news. That idea creeps into your mind almost daily, doesn't it? Look at all the evil that's suddenly becoming top of the news. Look at all the young people who are out in the streets demonstrating. Look at all the theft and the crime and the shootings. Where should our eyes be? Upward. And there's biblical support uh, that we can change God's mind. What biblical support is that? Can God's mind be changed through prayer and communication? Abraham. Abraham. What happened with Abraham? Sodom and Gomorrah. Rescued Lot. What else? Who else? Moses. Moses did that more than once, didn't he? When God wanted to do what? 
wipe them out. We need to put our minds honest, true, and transparent to the Lord our God, our Creator, our Abba. Father, Son, and let His righteousness furnish the answer. Any comments or questions? We're here at the end. Well, just to finish up. Oh, yes, ma'am. I feel like we spend a lot of time trying to pretend that everything is okay when things are not. And there's no use in bottling up those thoughts and those feelings when God already knows what's on our hearts. And so I think placing these thoughts before the only person who can do anything about them helps us, you know, it gets that out of our head and into the hands of someone who can actually do something about it. And also teaching us to be vulnerable also helps us be vulnerable with each other so that we can aid and support and encourage each other because we're not going to get anywhere if we're just putting all of our energy towards creating a facade and not, any, not doing anything about the things that are going on around us, you know, the inevitable things that we all notice and all weigh on our hearts. Um, and so I think it's very encouraging to look back on believers of God who came before us and see how open they were in talking with Absolutely. And I go back, uh, there's a commercial on TV for some sort of depression uh, medicine where the people walk around with a little paper plate with a smiley face on it, you know. and How's everything going? Just fine, you know. We Christians do a good job with that. We who wear the name of Christ do a good job of holding that plate up and telling everybody everything's just fine when it's not. And we do that to God too. But God knows different. God can see our hearts. Let us uh, answer these questions that I gave you. I'm not going to ask them tonight because they're personal questions for each of you to answer yourselves and to sit time, uh, sit alone and meditate on those things and be honest with yourself. It's for these questions tonight are for your growth, your personal growth. Thank you.